Hey everyone and welcome to the Kickabout. Liverpool making a late surge for fourth place and there is more surprising results at the bottom end of the table. I'm your host Chris. I'm Pete. And I'm Dan. Yeah, I nearly fucked that intro up then. Let a little start. <laughs> made it through, made it through. Um, yeah, what an absolutely ridiculous weekend of football it has been yet again. More surprising results left, right and centre. Uh, we also had a kickabout derby, which we kind of mm. failed to hype up before the show. Usually we uh, see those coming and, and talk about them. Um, and uh, yeah, but obviously had real implications on the, the battle for the top four. So as always, we will get into that. But before we start with this. Down the stat, man. So Am Ramsdale is only the third goalkeeper, I think, in Premier League history to record ten away clean sheets in a single season. Who are the other two? Mm. Well, there's one name that's obvious in my head, but mm. probably not that. Um, so yeah okay right so you said I think as well in there I didn't like that word I think uh, well I think just because <laughs> the, the way the stat is worded um, because I think those particular goalkeepers done it in a couple of seasons right okay fair enough so it is just those three yeah Nice. All right. Excellent. We'll get the answer to that later on. As always, and of course, we've got the return of the quiz. We we reckon, depending on how things pan out for the rest of the season and depending on who's in the Champions League final, I guess, um, we reckon we've got four, possibly five more podcasts to go this season before we um, have, to have a finish and finish for the summer, um, before we start focusing on some sort of YouTube content. Um, in the off season um, so we'll see how the quiz goes but it's obviously four all at the moment we mm. want to finish the quiz this season um, so depending on what the score is we may um, yeah, we may have like a winner takes all type thing at the end if it's uh, if it's still drawn at that point um, while we're talking of course there is a massive game on at the bottom end of the table currently it is Nottingham Forest 2 Southampton 1 as things stand just before half time um, in what would be probably a result that would consign Southampton to relegation. Not mathematically, but I think from a psychological point of view, they would have to pretty much win all three of their last games yeah. and rely on results elsewhere as well. Fulham, Brighton and Liverpool, wasn't it? Yeah, so that's a pretty... Given that... I know Brighton got a bit of a thumping earlier t- today, surprisingly, but Fulham have uh, found the back of the net again. So, yeah, that's, that's going to be tough. And Liverpool will be probably still chasing top four at that point. So... Um, we are going to start with the stuff at the top end of the table. We're going to start with what was a massive win for Arsenal away at St. James's Park. Probably the game of the weekend, on paper at least. Um, it was just a proper game of football, this, wasn't it? This mm. was just two teams just really going at it. Bit of needle, bit of a bit of edge to the game, a few tackles flying in. All that sort of lovely stuff. Um, but it's a it was a big win for Arsenal because these are the sorts of games that you know, you know, they've had their wobble. I get it, um, but when the, when your backs are against the wall and you're playing against a very good team in Newcastle, these are the games that really test your mm. metal, aren't they? So, um, how impressed were you, were you with this performance from Arsenal? Yeah, I mean, uh, this this is probably one of the hardest tests they're going to have left in the the Premier League this season, um, especially the way Newcastle have been defensively. 
Um, so, yeah, and they got through it. I mean, I think it's fair to say relatively comfortably. Yeah, I mean, obviously Ramsdale kept them in the game at certain points, didn't he? especially in the first half. Um, but it's, you know, we, we, you went from... Did they, they had a, did they have a goal disallowed or was it... Oh, it was the penalty overturned, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. What, what did we make of that? We think that was the right call? Yeah, it does hit his knee before hitting his hand. I think, yeah. So. It was funny because on first viewing when they did the replays back, I was like, why are they even looking at this? Mm. And then one of the commentators said, you know, if you look closer, you can see his shorts moving. I sort of got closer to the TV and looked, yeah. I was like, oh, no, you're right. It has <laughs> it has just smacked his thigh and not, not even touched his hand at all. So, yeah, good, good job for VAR for a change. Praise, praise where it's due. Um, looks like we have a penalty here for Nottingham Forest just before half time. I'm getting my steps in celebrating around the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pete has money riding on this game this evening, and this goal will complete one part of the bet. No, this, this is completed now. It's more the fact that Southampton will be back two down. Oh, I see. Oh, you're just cheering for Southampton's demise. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think um, what, what, what this did really display was this. Um, I think we. <laughs> I don't know if we could put it to bed because obviously we've seen the little wobble that Arsenal have had, but the mentality side of, of Arsenal is, is is clearly different than it has been in previous years. You think back to even last season where they really did throw it away to get in the top four last season. Um, and this feels like a game that they would have absolutely lost last season. So to come through, Martin Odegaard shining again, I thought he was outstanding. Um, but player of the match, Mr. Jorginho. Mm. You know, we're not seeing huge amounts of him this season, but he comes in and he's he did an amazing job this this weekend. <laughs> you can almost hear the excitement. <laughs> There's no words to Pete's celebration, but you can almost hear it. It is three one Nottingham Forest now. Yeah, I think Jorginho has always been a fairly stable sort of player, isn't he? he? Just controls the midfield. He doesn't really do anything special, but he does a job. In those sorts of games, you do need a calming influence mm. in that midfield. Somebody just to sort of take the sting out of an opponent's um, momentum, keep mm. the ball, keep it moving, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I feel like Partey is, is, has picked the worst possible time to have a, a real downward shift mm. in, in form. Um, but yeah, to have someone like Jorginho, Jorginho come in and, and play like that, I thought Xhaka was very good as well. Mm -hmm. He made a cut. There was one really incredible probably goal-saving tackle yeah. that he put in. Um, I just want to touch on Ramsdale because I, I've got my issues with Ramsdale from when he's got the ball at his feet, for example. But right now, is there a better shot stopper in the league than Aaron Ramsdale? Yeah, I, well, I would say, well, maybe. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> Prior to the West Ham game, I think you know, I think De Gea was the best shot stopper in the league. I mean, do you not think, you know, he's not been short of a mistake but we are you suggesting that the mistakes are not necessarily from the shot stopping side of things no I, th things I think it's more like concentration and stuff like that I mean Ramsdale's made a few mistakes this season yeah I would I'd throw another name in the hat as well for that cool. with Allison. he is there in big big games and big moments he's a good shot stopper and he also makes mistakes as well. But he, so he does all, make mistakes. Three of them in that. Of, yeah. <laughs> what we're saying is, there's no good goalies in the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> they're all they're all equally as bad as each well, other. Edison is obviously the best with the ball at his feet. Yeah, I mean he's like an outfield player playing mm, in goal, yeah. isn't he? Um, but no, I think um, you know I just want to go back to some of the conversations I've heard on like Talksport and stuff like that about um, Martin Odegaard and just how good a player he is. Mm. Now there has been numerous conversations about you know how good he is and where he ranks in the current crop of midfielders in the Premier League. Where do you guys put him and how how good is he and how good can he be? Do you think? I think it's too early to say overall, um, but this season I'd definitely say 
he deserves to be in the team of the season. Yeah. Pete, what do you what do you make of his performances? Much like Dan, really. He's been good this season. He had patches last season, but you can't really say he's one of the best, can you? Mm. I think what, what's been really good to see from Odegaard is if you cast your minds back several years now, 15-year-old wonder kid that gets bought by Real Madrid, you know, all the hype that surrounds him and then he kind of... Got shipped out to every club. In yeah, the went out and loaned here, there and everywhere. I think he did play for Madrid for a little while, but I don't think he ever really no. hit the ground running. And he would have, of course, been playing for Real Madrid at the time when they would have had Kroos, Modric, Casemiro, mm. you know, at the peak of their powers. So there aren't many midfielders in the world that are going to break into that midfield trio. Um, but it's quite refreshing to see a sort of player that was given all that hype. You know, you think of all the other players down the, down the years that have had that level of hype at such a mm. young age and how many of them then disappear. You know, Deli Ali probably the, the most recent example of that where they've had a couple of good seasons, all the hype's there and then they disappear. Martin Odegaard looks to me like a player who's just completely found a home. He's settled. He's enjoying his mm. football. Um, and I think given that he's still only, you know, early 20s, I think he's got an incredible future ahead of him. And he could go, if he stays at Arsenal long-term, he could be arguably one of their best midfielders they've had in mm. in, in, in a long time. Yeah. Um, what about Newcastle? This was a, a dent in their top four aspirations, although other results this weekend, um, which we'll get on to shortly, just kind of went their way. Um, was this uh, just one of those games you kind of just sort of shrug your shoulders and say, well, we gave a good of account of ourselves, don't worry about it type of thing? Yeah, I mean, you're playing, obviously, one of the teams that's been first the entire season. So I thought being at St. James's Park, it would make it a lot. I know it was only 2-0 and one of them was an own goal, but I thought it would potentially be a draw just down to that reason. We know that Newcastle obviously very solid defensively. You, you didn't want to say type of contenders there, then, no? What, Arsenal? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they are, well, they are. Yeah. <laughs> disrespectful not to Eddie uh, Eddie Howe made a comment after the game because it's interesting when they were talking I think to Jorginho when they were talking about the the, the atmosphere at St James's Park was obviously it was very lively um, you know they, they, they were bang up for it and Jorginho sort of said that it does kind of spare you on because these are the sorts of games you want to play and it buys you up and actually when they asked Eddie Howe a sort of similar question he, he sort of suggested that maybe his players almost went a bit too far and didn't really manage the occasion quite well enough because they got sort of too involved in things that they didn't need to. Do you think that's that's a fair criticism? Do you think Newcastle were a bit too on edge? Um, yeah, I guess sometimes the fans can spur them on, and especially when the little fights start and the fans love it, don't they? Like, <laughs> did you see that there was an Arsenal fan in the home end? Oh, God, he's he a, that's, a, that's a very brave man. He got absolutely pulverised. I'm glad he saved his fix. If he fell over... He would have got. He was right at the back of the stands as well. Really? If he fell over, he would end up on the pitch in about two and a half minutes. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ! That's a very brave man, right there. Um, but yeah, I think from a, from an Arsenal point of view, I think depending on how the rest of the season um, rolls out, I mean, City are showing no real signs of relenting up. I know that you know we're not going to actually talk about them tonight, but their game against Leeds. It, the the scoreline makes it look tighter than it actually was because for the vast majority of that game, City were in complete and utter control, yeah. mm. um, and they just had a bit of a lapse towards the end, which let Leeds back in. So I just don't see City relenting from this point. That's the thing. I I don't see City dropping points now. I think that that Arsenal v City game was almost the title decider, really. Yeah, I mean, if we look at the the fixtures that Man City have got left, um, so they've got Everton, uh, Chelsea, Brighton, and Brentford. Um, to come so I mean Brighton 
still chasing Europe, that could be a tough test, depending on which Brighton turns up. Of course, if it's the oh, Brighton from no. tonight, then no chance. Um, Chelsea, you would expect that to be fairly routine, despite Chelsea's positive result of the weekend. Uh, Brentford away could be tricky, but Brentford by that point probably won't be playing mm-hmm. for anything. So are they going to be on the beach, so to speak? So um, I the the only sort of slight curve would have thrown there is the is the Champions League as to how they deal with that from a team selection point of view. But obviously, Man City being Man City, they can rotate their team and really not make a blind bit of difference. So um, yeah, it's it's a shame that it's not going to go down right to the wire in the sense that we don't know who's going to win. If you like, where there's there's still questions up in the air. It feels almost like it's done. And it's obviously not. There's still enough football to go where it can change. But it does have that feel of it's it's going to be cities because they're just too good and they're not going to mm-hmm. lose. Um, so I guess now they look ahead to the summer. What do what do you think Arsenal need in the summer to maybe go again next season? Where, where do they need to improve, would you say? Um, I'd just say a little bit more depth. They've got a good squad there. Yeah. But I mean... Part of their form and, and losing the games, I think, is from losing Saliba because he was huge yeah. at the back for them. I'd agree with that. I think they do um, need another centre back. Yeah, centre back cover. Um, yeah, just to just to alleviate some some match fitness really from the from the camp, I think is all they really need to have. This. I mean, there, there's no excuse for them not doing it again next season, is there? They're a young squad. Yeah, they're going to be hurting, but they've got all that confidence to go into next season and really put City to the sword again. Yeah, they've, they've got to pick themselves up and dust themselves down from this, um, take the uh, huge amount of positives that there are from this. Um, as you say, this is a young team. This is a team that can really build something now for the next, you know, anywhere yeah, five, five to ten years, really. Arsenal's actually going to be an attractive club to move to now, which is one thing they didn't have for a, a number of years. Absolutely. You know, there, there will be players looking at this Arsenal setup. They're looking at Arteta, looking at the team and the way they play and thinking, yeah, I want to, I want to go and be involved in that project. Whereas, as you say before, it was a kind of... I didn't really have an identity, really, before Arteta come in. But um, now it's a case of, of of knowing how they're going to play. This was actually a, something that was brought up, I think, from... I can't remember which pundit it was on Sky Sports, um, where they talked about Arsenal's identity in that perhaps the failings of Arsenal of recent times has been down to Arteta maybe not being willing to adjust things at the right time perhaps because he doesn't want to move away from the identity. It's this kind of, we're going to play like this at all costs, regardless of the result. When actually sometimes you just think just for a little period of time, maybe we do need just to go to five at the back and just contain what's going on here and then switch back again. Do you think maybe that's something that Arteta will need to, you know, because he needs to improve as well, right? It's not mm-hmm. just the team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously he's still young. He's still learning. Um, and the, the team themselves have not been in this position before. Um, so I think they'll learn from this season and, potentially go on another challenge next season, but it's so difficult with to go up against City. Mm. What about Newcastle, P? Do you see them maintaining this sort of form and, and into next season, or do you think that they're going to have to... It's going to be harder for them to go again than, say, it will be for Arsenal? It's been a bit of a weird season. I mean, there's been a lot of teams that have failed to achieve what they should have as a baseline this season, but I think we've all underestimated how good Newcastle have actually been. I think at the start of the season we were you were saying, oh they might not, not even, they might get top ten. What about top six? Nah, no chance. Yeah. So they they've overachieved massively. They've got a quite an unusual squad. I didn't think they'd be up there at all with that sort of squad. 
but they've got uh, league position, possibly most likely Champions League football. They're going to have a lot of money to be spending <laughs> and Eddie Howe's not exactly spent it in flashes, has he? So mm. quite yeah. exciting, I think. Maybe not if they were getting linked with like Neymar and Messi the other week. <laughs> yeah, well, well, if you think well, back to when the money first came up, in, yeah. they were getting linked with those sorts of things. And Mbappe was thrown around and all this sort of stuff. And I think Newcastle... Imagine Jacob Murphy playing alongside Neymar. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think that Newcastle as a club, you know, ignore for a moment the, the you know, the question marks around the ownership and their track record back in their, in their home country. I think you have to take the hat off because it would have been so easy. You know, if you look at the... In, in recent times, we've had two new owners come into the Premier League, right? You've had the Newcastle owners and the Chelsea owners. You could not have two polar opposite mm-hmm. um, trajectories as clubs and approaches to how they do things. You've got Chelsea who have just literally decided that the best way to approach this is just to throw money at every player we can get our hands on. Oh, he's an exciting player. Yep, there you go. There's 80 million for him. Mm-hmm. And hope that it just sticks and hope that Graham Potter can somehow make a, a thing of it. And the longer I think this goes on for Chelsea, I know they've got a win at the weekend, and I think the more sympathy that people are having for Graham Potter now when they see just how bad everything is with, mm. with Lampard. And then you've got Newcastle at the other end who haven't really bought anybody. You know, I know they spent 60 million a night on, on Isak, yeah. but he wasn't. he's not like a household name. He's not like a world-beating star. And he's not been around for most part of the season exactly the so, injury, so I think that the players they've brought in have been superb I think Eddie Howe deserves an awful lot of credit for doing what he's done with some of those players I mean Miggy Almiron's had the best season of his career Joe Linton looks like an absolutely world class <laughs> centre midfielder now um, <laughs> defensively they've been outstanding Kieran Trippier has probably got to be one of the shrewdest signings of recent years um, and I think that overall Newcastle are so well placed now so if they as long as they don't get suckered into doing what Chelsea have done and continue this I'm going to use it. We've talked about this before, this sort of evolution rather than revolution approach. I think Newcastle, the world is their oyster. Mm. Champions League football is going to make them more attractive. Um, Definitely. So I think if you're a Newcastle fan, you are giddy with the excitement, mm. the prospect, as long as they can maintain this and get Champions well, League. Yeah, got so. tough games coming up. Right, well, let's move on then. Um, I'm sure Dan is looking forward to talking about this one. Um, <laughs> I know I am. Uh, <laughs> West Ham United against Manchester United, the kickabout derby. Uh, the last one of the season, West Ham coming out 1-0 victors and further um, throwing into doubt, shall we say, Manchester United's credentials at top four. Um, what was quite I, interesting, actually, just we'll start with, with Man United, was that I I genuinely didn't realise until it was being talked about just how in jeopardy Man United's top four is now. Um, it was you mentioned it a few times on the chat. I was talking with somebody else who's a United fan. He was mentioning it. Um, there is a real danger that you don't get top four now. Like how how worried are you about that now? Very worried, especially with the form we're in. Uh, we threw away two points against Spurs. Threw away two. Po- uh, well, all three points against Brighton. Um, and then obviously threw away another three points against West Ham. So I guess the word throw away is key here, right? Because mm. you know, you've given away the penalty in the 97th minute mm-hmm. in a stupid way. Um Let you Spurs were, come back into the game when we were 2-0 up. 2-0 up against uh, against them. And you know, in, in this game it was kind of weird because it felt like it was quite end-to-end in the first 20 minutes or so. Um I may not have had clearly the better chances, went close on a number of occasions. And then of course De Gea has mm. an absolute howler. Uh, for Ben Rama's goal, which ended up winning West Ham the game. And at that moment, it felt like all semblance of, of momentum had completely shifted and United mm-hmm. just never seemed to recover from that. 
Well, as I knew that if we went, if we conceded first, then West Ham would just shut up shop, and and that's exactly. What, and you can't blame them. I mean, obviously they're fighting for their lives down the bottom. Um, but it was every time we were attacking, there was about ten West Ham players stood on the edge of the box. Yeah, I think Moyes for a change got it right with that because. Mm. But the difference is, and I've said this before, is that when we had the ball, though, we actually looked okay with it. Mm. Like we weren't just lumping it long, hoping that Antonio could do something. There was there was more to us mm. when we were playing out from the back. Um, so yeah, I mean, Pete, what what have you made? If if you had to, you know, as the as the neutral, I guess in this. Um, if you had to assess United's season so far, how do you assess the job that Ten Hag has done and where Man United are right now? Because I saw a wording on a Sky Sports thing earlier in the week that they said that, that United are never too far away from a crisis. And I think that is too, for me, that's too strong of a word. The crisis is thrown around too much. I don't think United have ever been in crisis this year. They've had some stupid and shit results mm. and some bad form. But to say crisis, I think, is a bit of a stretch. So where do you think United are right now in this, you know, how much have they improved? How much have they still got to improve? That's not. That's a difficult one to answer because you can go on for five, ten minutes about it. Well, that's right, mate. Have you got anywhere to be? I don't know. <laughs> I, I think that the some of the players they've brought in, while they have been good, they have been, in brackets, or quotes, sorry, panic buys, like yeah. Casemiro, but they've turned out good. Um, and he, you know, he, he's been a huge part of the United squad. To get the Champions League football, possibly, <laughs> you know, it is a success. They've got through to a final in the FA Cup. It's a successful season. It's something to build on. And they've still got assets in that squad that they can shift to bring in something else. And I, I think a manager like Ten Hag is positive for them. He, he will bring in the right players, but it's just trying to keep the attractiveness of Man United up there while you've got question marks over the owners. Yeah, I think that is so key for them to get that sorted ace out. I mean, yeah, it sounds yeah. like Jim Ratcliffe is um, in pole position for it. Yeah, annoying. <clears throat> um, but regardless of who takes over, that needs to be sorted ASAP because what you don't want to do is have that lingering over into the summer and have that affect your transfer Well, policy. he's already said in a press conference, uh, yeah, in a press conference that he hasn't got any summer plans because he has no idea what's going to be happening with the... Because he doesn't know what his budget's going to be, does he? Mm. Whereas Liverpool are already signing the likes of, like, McAllister. They're already a step ahead. Mm. And that's what's going to fuck us over in the long run because all these teams are already planning for their summer Doing transfers. Business, yeah, yeah. yeah, And we're going to end up chasing, you know, all the scraps at the end of the, the transfer window we might get Harry Kane, but we'll probably spend all our budget on him and then we'll be stuck with the likes of Maguire and all that trash yeah. at the end. Yeah. I think that yeah, I think that is gonna be very key to the summer in, in terms of how that plays out because you've got a lot of players in there who need to be who need to be moved on and you've also got a lot of players who need to come in mm -hmm. because what has been very obvious and then Lee picked up on it when he was on the show a few weeks ago, he said when you look at your bench and who you're bringing on, you know, you you, you look at the weekend in fact, you know, you're bringing on Martial I like him as a player, mm. but he's really just not up to his par anymore. He's null and void. I mean, um, even, you know, starting with their course, I said before the game, it's like starting with 10 men, and it literally was. He'd done absolutely fuck all the I, entire game. I genuinely, um, you know, I think every, everyone kind of loves him for his work rate and all this kind of I'm stuff. I'm sure he's a lovely bloke. <laughs> <laughs> but the problem is with, with him is that I have never seen, I don't think I've ever seen a striker quite like him. Um, outside of like a Saturday league level that we play, in that every single time he got the ball, bar one occasion where he actually drove forward with the ball, mm. he has 
it, it's almost like it's a hot potato. He cannot wait to get rid of that mm. ball and just he passes it to the nearest player. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's the right pass or the wrong pass. It doesn't matter. Just give it to somebody else. And I just don't think he adds anything at all. And, and like the amount of times we had the ball on the wing and we've got this six foot four or whatever he is striker, we never cross it in. Well, not once did we put a cross in. You say that, but there was a moment. I, I was on a call with a friend. We were, we were watching the game and he. Um, we, I can't remember who it was. It was maybe no, I wasn't sure because he was centre back. It was Malassia, I think, on the left hand side, or Rashford, looking like they wanted to cross the ball. Mm. And the only player that was in the box was Bruno. Vegos was on the edge of the box looking for a cutback. Mm. And I'm like, your your only asset is your aerial presence because you are not technically good enough. No. You don't score goals. You can't work a half a yard for yourself. Why on earth are you looking for a pullback on the edge of the box? Mm. I just, it was mind-boggling as to why he was doing that. And I, th- I think that's the pro- biggest problem with United. If Rashford doesn't score, we've got no goals. Mm. Yeah. Sancho's been a massive disappointment. I've not, I think I've seen him have one good game in a United shirt. I th- do you think his time is up? <sighs> I mean, do you see any redemption a of years now, hasn't he? I, I, just, I just don't... When he starts, I don't see anything. When he comes on, you know, you expect to see a bit of a fight to say, I want to be in this team. I just don't know what he brings. Mm. He's, he's pretty slow. Because obviously we're a very counter-attacking team. We like to be rapid when we get the ball back. But I, I mean, I watched him live and every time he had the ball, it looked like he was towing a caravan. Yeah, he he, he slows the game down too mm. much. Um, 50 million to Dortmund plus Jude Bellingham. Yeah, or for Jude, for Jude <laughs> Bellingham, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. 50 million plus Sancho for, yeah. uh, for Jude Bellingham. I mean, you've got positive players coming through. I mean, Bernard, defender for us that we've got in on loan off United. Brilliant young player. Obviously, he's not ready for the Premier mm. League. Um, Ahmed Diallo as well. Yeah, Ahmed we Diallo's had a really good season. What's um? What's going on? I saw something about the reason that he's not been playing. Do you, what's, why has he not been playing much recently? Do you know? He's been injured. Okay. He's injured. Was, that was his first game back. Ah, uh, right. Yeah. Okay, that would make and sense. Then he, then he was caught with a vape on one of his... Uh, ah, right. Posts. So that's yeah. So that's what I saw the, the uh, post right. linking about. That no, he's literally just come back from injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Question for you. Go on. As it's the derby, thought of another... Uh, Question time. Oh, go on then. So, Dan, would you rather finish the season where you are now and get your Champions League football secured, Mm -hmm. but you lose the FA Cup final, which is probably realistic anyway? Yeah. Or would you rather continue the season and risk getting Champions League, but you win the FA Cup? Mm. So what you're saying is... Champions League football, no FA Cup, Europa League, but you get the FA Cup. That's kind yeah. of what you're asking. And then on the flip side for you, Chris, <laughs> would you rather um, be secure in the Premier League but lose out on getting the Europa Conference League yep. Cup or get relegated but you win Europa <laughs> Conference League. Oh, I fucking hate that question. I was hoping it was just a question for Dan. <laughs> no, I've got to do both for you, huh? Do you want to go first? I think probably, you know, it's tough. We've already won the Carabao Cup, so we've had a trophy this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not one that... No, I know it's not. You... I know it's a Mickey Mouse Cup. <laughs> but when we win it, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> um... I'd probably prefer to get top four more for the fact that it will help us bring in better players next season. Mm. Um, And, I mean, we're likely to lose to City in the FA Cup final anyway. So, yeah, probably that. End the season now and lose the FA Cup. Yeah, I think so. See, this is funny because last week, 
Chris was saying that they haven't won a cup in what, 50 or 60 or 40, 40, 40 years? 7 years or something like that, yeah. So I'm quite interested in your answer about this. I mean, I think. I feel it's got to be. Well, I mean, I'll answer it for you, but obviously. You think I, Premier League survival? Yeah, I yeah. think so. See, the, the thing is for me, right? If we didn't have the crop of players that we currently had, mm. I would say take the, take the cup. If we, you know, if we had only been promoted, if we were sort of a bit of a yo-yo team coming back with some forwards, maybe with a load of youngsters, I'd say, yeah, go for the trophy, see what happens in the league. <clears throat> but because we've got a very talented crop of players, mm-hmm. if we were to get relegated, the we'd be we'd be starting from scratch because seventy five percent of our first team squad would be would leave. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I'm thirty five. <laughs> I'm, I'm thirty five years old. The only trophy I've seen West Ham win is a playoff final, if that counts. Um, and we obviously got to the FA Cup final when Gerard did his thing from from range. Other than that, we've not come close. The, the benefit of getting relegated though is you could win the championship and get another trophy. <laughs> the trouble is that when you have <laughs> when you having these com- lose all your players. Yeah, yeah the yeah. trouble when you're having these sorts of conversations, you know that those sorts of trophies mm-hmm. don't come into the conversation. Mm-hmm. So, um, for me. It is really, really tough. And I'd imagine if you asked 100 West Ham fans, I think you'd get a a very wide array of opinions Mm. on this. Um, For me personally, I think I would take, keep the current squad, build on it and hope that the squad can continue to build and actually you've got a better chance of winning a trophy in the years to come. Um, So, but uh, yeah, I think that's probably what I would say. I think I would say, been been off the Conference League, take Premier League survival. I think so. Um, Anyway, to to West Ham, um, massive massive win. Obviously, the goal itself. Dan, can you put into any kind of context how or what happened with the hay with that goal? Do you see this has just been a complete utter mistake? Was there anything more to it? Like, um, I, I well, because there was no pace. <laughs> I couldn't on the believe shot. it when it went in. I genuinely, I didn't. I didn't actually. I was staring at it for about five seconds <laughs> for it to compute that that had actually just gone in. <laughs> Um, I don't know if his foot had slipped or, but it 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 just rolled to him. Yeah, it almost rolled no in pace. slow motion. I don't even felt like he needed to dive. I feel like he could have just walked across to it and picked it up. I mean, they they were showing on one of the um things I was looking at where because he was sort of backtracking, yeah, he was moving back. Um, that maybe he wasn't able to shift his weight to then either sort of go forward and to mm. the right. And I don't know if it actually the lack of pace has actually just kind of stooped him a little bit. Maybe yeah, he's he's maybe. he's waiting for. Ben Rama to do something else or hit it with more power. So maybe being very kind. Yeah, ultimately it's shit. Um, it is a really poor mistake and it doesn't do anything for those who want to see the end of De Gea. I mean, I'm, I'm his biggest fan to be I absolutely love De Gea and I've been backing him up all season in terms of, you know, how good he is at shot stopping and stuff. I mean, I'm always putting in the chat like fucking Unreal Save and stuff like that. But... That being said, he cannot play out from the back. Yeah. And that's a big way of play. Uh, that's a big way in what Ten Hag wants to do is pay out from the bat, and he's even kind of shifted from doing that, especially after the Sevilla game. Mm. Um, because every game I watch, you know, De Gea passes to one of the other team strikers. He did it on two occasions, I think, in this game. Yeah. Obviously, it didn't come to anything. And, but... and I imagine that every team knows that they need to press De Gea when he's on the ball because he just shits himself. Yeah. Um, and there's a stat that I got earlier that he's now joint. Um, top of most goals leading to error uh, most errors leading to goals this season this season this season Ouch. of I'm assuming of just goalkeepers or yeah of goalkeepers okay. yeah, yeah. and who's he joined with who do you reckon Meslier no, no another one of my favourite goalkeepers in oh, the Premier League. I was going to say um, Ward but 
No. Another one of your favourite lorries? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, he hadn't even been playing for the last, like, <laughs> however long. Um, but I, saying that, I think De Gea is actually top of the Golden Glove at the moment. What, with, for clean sheets? With 15 clean sheets, right. yeah. So it's one of those, you know, <laughs> it's a bit... It, well, it is. It's the, it's the Lloris argument, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, do you continue with a goalkeeper who you know can win you a game he by saves, save you, yeah. but has got mistakes in him? Yeah. Uh, you know, you run that risk of something like that happening. Um, and I think it was heightened by the fact that Ben Rama ended up scoring the winner mm. as well, which made it even worse. Um, so let, let's um, let's switch our attention to West Ham then for a moment. So um, Declan Rice was outstanding and his stats were just ridiculous in this game and how good he was. Um, Kerrer, that's probably the best game I've seen him have for West Ham at right back. I thought even Creswell looked good. Mm. Um, but another player who really, I thought, stood out for me was Pakatar. I yeah. thought he was just mm. so classy in that midfield and he's really beginning to look like the player that we thought we were getting at the start of the season. Yeah. Um, just yeah, a number of individual really good performances. A little note on Declan Rice at the end. Did you see the video? I did, yeah. Him and the kid as well. Yeah, so really nice I, I actually shared that on, on Facebook and on Twitter. Actually, oh. In like a plea almost. Like I, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I, I genuinely hope he stays. It's getting to that point now where it's three games to go to the end of the season, possibly possibly uh, you know one or two more in don't the think conference this league. is the season that's going to convince him. no I know but, well it might be if we win the conference league who right, knows okay. but I mean now you're I know you're not actually mathematically but you're pretty much mathematically up now yes um, seven points with three games to go it's going to be a bizarre set of fixed results to, to not well, see us go down yeah it's uh, very unlikely down, that all the teams below you are going to win every single game so I mean you can more or less just completely focus on Europe now that is a massive thing for us because going into these into this semi-final worrying about our Premier League status mm. would have been a, a concern so to have that kind of not yeah, as much in, in, in the focus is, is massive for us in this game um, Antonio by the way also I thought was brilliant I thought mm-hmm. he looked he's looked more like the old Antonio in the last few weeks there was that moment where he picked up the boys on a raft turned two of them skinned everybody showed some actual pace which yeah. I thought he'd lost he would have got away I think he, would so, have gone he probably would have missed but <laughs> well yes one on one he's absolutely would have missed um, but actually on that point a lot, there were a few people on, on social media calling for that as a red card for Wamasaka. what did you guys think nah, I, th- I think personally I think Lindelof I'm not saying Lindelof would have caught up with him but Lindelof was there yeah um, I think he's too far away from goal yeah. with Lindelof in that grey area. Yeah, I think it, to call that a red card, the halfway line. Yeah, I think to call that a red card, I think he's making too big of an mm. assumption as to how that would have played out afterwards. What about? Um, so I was talking to your dad. The handball. Yeah. For me, when I first, it's funny because when I first saw it, I was like, oh, "No, his arms close to his body, it's fine." But the more I've watched it, the more I think, actually, how the fuck is this not been given? Mm. Um, because if his arm had stayed still, I think this is the key thing. If his arm had stayed still, fine. But he moves his arm to the ball. Mm. And for me, I mean, Jermaine Defoe said this on match day too. He said, is that in a natural position? His arm kind of mm. like that? I'm not so sure. So based on what we've seen and some of the some of the handballs we've seen given, I was incredibly surprised that they didn't at least ask the referee to go and have a look. I think if he'd have given it, it wouldn't have been ruled out. Mm. I think it was one of those that because he didn't give it, they sort of stuck with his decision. I thought his arm was more over his body. But maybe that's just the angle that I saw. So he had his arm sort of almost his, in a chicken wing style yeah, thing. Yeah, well, I think as and the then he balls, moved his arm outwards. Well, I think bit. he's moved his body, but it's also moved mm. his arm at the same time. Because I think as the ball's been smashed at him, he sort of moved to try and. Yeah, I've, I've seen worse decisions given. So. Yeah, oh yeah. 
I mean, West Ham have had two this year. I think mm. that we've got away with that were more blatant than that. So, well, Luke Shaw, <laughs> yeah, Luke Shaw, the hand of God was probably uh, probably a justified one. Um, but I mean, it just further brings into into cool into clarity as well the, the ridiculousness about the um, the handball rule and about how it's just so it's quite up in the air. Oh, it's it? just yeah. ridiculous. There's 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 no clarity on this rule whatsoever as to what is and what isn't a handball these days. They have to clear that up uh, in the summer. Um, but yeah just back to your point on Declan Rice so for those of you who haven't seen it basically it's it's after the game the game's kind of finished obviously the players have done their whatever they're going to do after the game done all their media stuff and then he comes over I'm assuming this must have been pre-arranged because he looked like the steward brought him over and said oh, like he was saying this is the kids sort of thing and um, but you know there's been a couple of videos I don't know if you guys have seen these doing the rounds on social media recently where I think Arsenal when they came into their game, I don't know who it was against, um, all of their players just completely blanked the mascot yeah, and walked yeah. straight past him. Then the the um, the Leeds players, as they were leaving their hotel, completely blanked their fans. So there was only about, I'm going to say, a dozen fans there. There were some young children there, completely blanked them, didn't even say, say hi, high five, anything like that, just walked straight past them. So there's been a little rumblings about, you know, football players being a bit too sort of big for their boots sort of thing and not, you know, looking after their fans. But then Declan Rice comes along and he's like, you all right, brother? Like, how you do? He was, he was just so happy and just... Mm. Proper East London. Yeah, well, proper, <laughs> it really was. Um, the kid starts crying and asks for his shirt and then Declan Rice was like, I did promise it to Rashford, so don't tell him I'm giving it to him. <laughs> and he gives him the shirt and he's like, oh, thank you. It's just, it's just such a pure moment and Declan Rice is such a good ambassador. He's so good on the microphone. He's always so honest. Um, and... I, for West Ham to lose him, to lose his on-the-field abilities, it's looking more and more frustrating because of just how good he is. But actually, his off-the-field stuff is also going to be a big loss to West Ham just because of how much of an ambassador he is. Mm. Um, so, but yeah, let's see. Let's see what West Ham do. We've got an option to extend his contract by another year, so it's not beyond the realms of possibility that he could stay for another year if West Ham price him out. Um, so, yeah, stranger things have happened, but I think you know, I'm still resigned to the fact that he's going to go. Um, I just sort of don't want to accept that reality. <laughs> so, but um, yeah. Anyway, right, let's move on. Um, the final game we're going to talk about in the top four, just very, very briefly before we go to a break, is the Liverpool-Brentford game. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't see a huge amount of this, but I kind of want to talk more about Liverpool as a whole, to be honest, rather than this game in particular. Salah scored 30 goals this year. Doesn't a little bit like Kane has gone very under the radar because mm. of Haaland's exploits. <gasps> Excuse me. Um, but Liverpool have just sort of found this knack of being able to win games all of a sudden even when they're not at top form um do you how how wide are you of Liverpool taking over do you think that you know this is a real cause for concern yeah very much so I mean they're in hot form and we're in shit form at the moment <laughs> so I mean Pete are you surprised that Liverpool have been able I mean this is very reminiscent of what they did a few years ago wasn't it I think it's had... helped that they've had Diaz and Jota come back mm. Um, what about you know Trent's uh, Klopp's decision? Sorry to move Trent into more central role. How much of a key role? Because he's had quite a few assists in April. I think he got like seven or eight yeah. assists in April. I mean, it's shocking to see that um, he's really good going forwards and not that great at the back, isn't it? <laughs> no one saw that coming. <laughs> um, I just I do want to pick up on something that uh, Dean. Do you know Dean Saunders? He was like, he's a talk sport. He's an ex pro. He used to play for like Bradford, and I think it was. Um, he. I mean, it's one of the most brain-dead things I've ever heard, but I'm going to say it anyway. He basically said that he thinks Trent Alexander-Arnold is, is England's best midfielder and he is better in midfield than Bellingham and Rice. No yeah. way. Discuss. <laughs> He's not a CDM, though. No. 
and I don't care how good with the ball he is, and he is very good with the ball, mm. he can't defend. Well, just no. just putting that to bed already, Jude Bellingham is a box-to-box midfielder, and he will do both jobs very yeah. well. So even just by that argument, it's just wrong. No, mm. and he's played there for one month. Let's just you know get it right. He's played there for a month. His passing ability, mm. his crossing ability, set-piece delivery, etc., very, very good. I'm not doubting that. But to put him in that category with the likes of Bellingham, Rice, Henderson, I think he even called out Henderson as well, I think I think he's brain dead. Absolutely brain dead. Well, Henderson's wanked. I'd probably agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> but the problem is that you put Trent into midfield, he doesn't suddenly become a better defender. Like off the ball, his positioning, his concentration, his tackling, his tracking of his man. He doesn't track. No, it is woeful. Shifts the problem onto mm. someone else. Yeah. Really. So all they're doing is putting, putting him into a position where he can do less damage yeah. from a defensive one. That's all mm. Klopp is doing. Mm. It just so happens that it comes with the added benefit of Trent being very good on the ball. Um so I don't see that as I see that as being a good tactical move, but I don't see that as some kind of the rebirth of a new fucking Paul Gascoigne for England or something like that. Mm. So no, I just wanted to put that out there. Um, if um, if Liverpool do get the Champions League um, at the expense of either Newcastle or Manchester United, um, has Klopp sort of silenced the doubters? Because there was a lot of them early in the season when Liverpool were lingering around that sort of ninth, tenth position. You know how much how much kind of praise and uh, you know all the all the rest of it does Klopp deserve for digging them out again or helping dig them out again um, yeah look, I, I think it would be more embarrassment for either Newcastle or United if Liverpool do end up getting Champions League football yeah because um, it will be a case of that they've let it slip rather yeah than I mean it's like I said with Arsenal about them kind of bottling the league it would be exactly the same I mean, Newcastle obviously get a little bit more leeway because no one expected them to be... Well, you could say that about Arsenal. No one expected them to be there either. Um, but United will have definitely bottled it if Liverpool end up... It doesn't even help that it's Liverpool either. <laughs> could um, be literally anybody yeah, else. Yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, I mean, <clears throat> fair play to Liverpool if they do manage to salvage Champions League football. But I hope they don't. <laughs> um, right, um, just before the break, I just want to... One final question. This is almost a peak question, this one, mm-hmm. that he asked earlier. Um, again, on listening on the radio, I was out on Thursday night last week at a um, thing over in Reading listening to a couple of legend cricketers of the game give a, a talk. It was good fun. But on the way over, I was listening to Talk Sport and they, um, I can't remember who it was. Um, 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 it might have been Jason Cundy. Who's an evening or? Yeah, early evening. And he's known for being a bell end with some of his takes anyway. Uh, he was basically saying Not that. Bad no, it wasn't. Um, <laughs> he was, I think he was, he was on with like Jamie O'Hara and they, they were basically saying, um, oh, I don't know. He was Andy Goldstein with Darren Bent. That was who it was. They said that um, Erling Haaland is the best Premier League striker of all time. I saw this comment earlier. Discuss. What do you guys think? Where does he stand in there? I'll give you my views in a minute as well. And I'll give you some of the other context to how, what they said. But as a, as a statement, Erling Haaland is the best striker in the Premier League's Premier League era, where do you guys come down on this? You know, and go go off in any avenue you like here, because there there was there was more to this sort of conversation, you know, in terms of when you drill down into it. But that was the the kind of the the headline statement that they made. Are you going off of just one season wonders, or are you going off? No, I mean he he is Premier League era. I assume he means of all time. Yeah, since since ninety two. Yeah. No. Um. So we're you know we're including. Harry Kane, we include Alan Shearer, we're including uh, Thierry Henry, we've had Nistelrooy, Lineker would have been, first he would have, yeah, he would have been yeah, before yeah. Premier League. He's had a good season, but there's a lot of 
generational players that have had their own attributes, whereas I think Haaland's attribute really is being good in the air, physical, and sort of a bit of a tapping merchant. Yeah. I'd kind of agree with that. I mean, one of the th- so one of the things, if we're going a bit deeper here, one of the things that they sort of tried to clarify this was that, you know, that he's robotic in the fact that he's just going to score this amount of goals. You know, he's only 22 years old and he's doing this, etc. But one of the claims they made was that he was the most exciting get-off-your-feet type player. And I was, to- I was basically talking to myself in the car, like, disagree with him. I was like, for me, Haaland has never, or nor will he ever be, a player that gets me off my feet in excitement. No. You know, those are players, Thierry Henry, yeah, Ronaldinho, Thierry Henry Zidane, those sorts of players. Even Aguero, I, th- I was loved mm. watching Aguero play. Yeah. Look, Haaland is incredible. He's amazing at what he does, right? As Pete says, he runs in behind, he gets those goals, he's right place, right time. Has he scored a goal this season that's made you go, oh my God, what a goal? I can't, th- off the top of my head, I can't, there might be one, but I can't think, I think one off the top of my head. One where he was facing away from goal and it was almost like a standing bicycle kick, but. Yeah, okay. But I mean. Um, but yeah, no, I mean. <sighs> That was against Southampton, wasn't it? I yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, there's so many times this season, you know, he's finished the game with like 10 touches mm. um, and he's scored two goals. Mm. He's He is like a... I don't know if he counts as a poacher, but... Predator, isn't he? I was yeah. Fox in the box almost. It's, it's massively criticising him to call him a tapping merchant, but that's the only... Yeah, but no, I get I what you mean. He, you know, he's, he's not that often involved in the actual game itself, but no. he's there when it matters at the other end of the pitch. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember he did a couple of good moments of linking in the Arsenal game mm. um, where he backed in and controlled it well and linked in, but as a general rule, he's not. You're right, he tends to leave that to other players and he tends to be the, the focal point. He's the last person you pass to because he's going to finish it off. Mm. But, you know, when, you, when you're talking about excitement, when you're talking about great players, you know, I think if there was a game in for um, for Arsenal, Thierry Henry, I mean, there's probably tons of games I can think of. Mm. We scored that ridiculous goal against Man United, you know, the one where we flicked it up and then didn't even look at the goal and put it in the top corner from about 40 yards. I remember a goal he scored away at Real Madrid where he basically skinned half of the Real Madrid team mm. and, and scored it at the Bernabeu. Those are goals Harling is never going to score. Mm. He is never going to... He's not a player that's going to grab the game by the scruff of a neck and go, right, I'm fucking changing this game because that's what De Bruyne will do. That's what Gundogan or Rodri or, or any of those other players would do. He's he's not going to do that. He won't do what Aguero did and skin two or three players and put one in the top corner for 35 yeah. yards. He's just not that sort of player. And for me, it's all about consistency. It's, it's no good doing it. You know, If he does it for five, six seasons in a row, then potentially that, that chat is there. But, you know, all these, you know, Carry Kane does it every single season. You know he's scoring. So does Mohamed Salah yeah, right now. same as Salah. Um, the Alan Shearers, you know, all of them consistently scored plenty of goals. So no matter what club they're I mean, look at the clubs that Shearer played for. Yeah. I, I mean, one of the callers that called in, he actually said, um, you look at, obviously looking at the players, because Haaland is an extension of an already unbelievably mm. good team. So he's walked into a team that's already set. And his argument, this caller, he basically said Erling Haaland in the Newcastle team that won the league would not score the goals that Alan Shearer did, but mm. Alan Shearer in that Man City team would. Yeah. And he said that's what mm. it comes down to. And it, this this feels like a, like we're shitting on Haaland right now, but we're not. We, you know, he is unbelievably yeah, good at what he does. Real, yeah. Man City are using him to the best of their ability, using him to the best of his strengths. He'll he'll get he might break. He's probably going to break. If he stays mm. in the Premier League long term, he'll break unbelievable amounts of goal scoring records. But I don't think. 
The only reason we're slating them is because you they they've made the comments of them being exactly the, the greatest. Harry Kane would score a lot of goals in that city team. Yeah, if he'd have gone there instead of Haaland, it could be a completely different story. Yeah, absolutely that. And I, you know, not when not wanting to demean his his achievements because it's his first season in the league and he's broken the all time record. Um, and yeah, he you know he could break more records in the years to come. But I don't think that you can put him in that bracket of being the best ever Premier League striker off of not even one full complete no. season yet. I think that's. Hyper, hyperbolic stupidity to, yeah. to do that. And I think actually it's borderline disrespectful to those other great players in Premier League era, frankly. Yeah, so but anyway, I just thought I'd clear that up. I thought that was a nice little uh, way to end. Right, we're going to head to a break. And when we come back, we're going to focus on the bottom end of the Premier League and then get into the quiz. See you in a minute. Hey everybody and welcome back to the show. So we are going to spend uh, the next little while just talking about what's going on at the bottom of the league because it continues to change from week to week. Uh, as we said last week, um, go back over the last sort of uh, half dozen episodes. Eventually you'll find predictions from us that will be how it turns out. But honestly, I think we can just stop trying at this point. Um, other than the fact that if Southampton, you are currently 3-2 down, uh, if they lose, I think that that is them uh, done. Um... But even though it's difficult to react to these two games because we've literally just seen the goals because they happened earlier today, massive result um, for, for Fulham over... Or, sorry, massive result for Leicester, but in a negative way. Getting spanked 5-3 in a ridiculous game at Craven Cottage. Um, obviously, Dean Smith has come in to Leicester. Um, with, you know, he's brought John Terry with him and I think he's also brought Craig Shakespeare with him. Mm. You know... These are experienced coaches, and what I was at the minimum I was expecting to see was a bit more defensive solidarity. And if you look at the games that Leicester have played in in recent times since since Dean Smith came in, I'm trying to remember which game it was that he came in. I think it was that one, the uh, the Leeds game. Um, they've they've conceded eight goals in three games, um, and obviously five of them being in this one, and it wasn't just the fact they conceded five, it was the manner in which they conceded mm. them, which would be very alarming. And you, the look on the faces of those fans in the in the stands, very concerned, shall we say. Um, I think even up until perhaps today, there was this feeling that Leicester had enough quality. They would just, you know, they, 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 they'll survive. They might do it by the skin of their teeth, but they'll survive. But a result like that and a performance like that really throws that into, into question. Um, and Leicester, do you think they're going to go? Yeah. This is, this well, is... judging by their last few games, especially that game, they just they look like they've given up. I mean, you know, they've they've drawn with Leeds and Everton, two massive, massive rivals. Of, as uh, Nottingham Forest have just gone four two up, which is probably game set a match, you would say, <laughs> uh, with eighteen minutes to go. Um, yeah, so they've they've drawn with Everton and Leeds, two massive relegation rivals, so they weren't able to get the win there. Their last win was against Wolves before that. I mean, you've got to go back to when was the last time Leicester won before that in the league? Uh, the eleventh of February, where they smashed smash Tottenham four one. That game where we said, "Oh, they touched the Yeah, where they turned the corner, they'll be yeah. fine now. <laughs> um, so I I just really worry for Leicester defensively. I've never seen a team that looks so bad. One of the goals, I can't remember which goal it was. I think it was the, either the fourth or the fifth. They had Tielemans, who was at right back. They had another midfield or wide player at left back. One centre midfielder was, uh, sorry, centre back was way high up the pitch. They were just all over the place. Yeah. There was no organisation at all. 
But they score goals. But they score goals, but it doesn't matter. You can score, like, you can score two or three goals, it doesn't matter, because you're going to concede five or <laughs> yeah. six every week if you, defend, if you defend like that. Um, and actually, this scoreline was flattering because obviously, you know, they've had one penalty. They missed a penalty, by the way, as well, mm-hmm. which when you take into account the game last week against Everton on Monday Night Football last week, they gave up something like 20 shots against Everton, but they missed a penalty. Yeah. And that could have won them the game. And what a different picture that table would look like if they had won that game. Mm-hmm. And they missed a penalty here, which would have made it 4-1, I think, at that point. And you know, Leicester had started the second half quite well. Harvey Barnes came on and made a massive difference. Mm. Um, I thought, well, did he start? I can't remember if he started or not. So, but yeah, I, I just think Leicester, regardless, we said this before, regardless whether they stay up, I think they're in serious, serious trouble because I think that their team is going to get picked apart. And as a result of this win for uh, Nottingham Forest tonight, they will finish tonight in the bottom three. Um, Southampton on 24 points, Leeds and Leicester on 30, and then uh, 32, I think, for Nottingham yeah, Forest. Uh, sorry, Everton. What the fixtures looking like? Uh, I mean, I don't think it really matters for um, for them, really, but it's all oh, that doesn't make for good reading, does it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool, Newcastle, and Matt and West Ham. And the, here's the thing, right? I mean, Liverpool are in red hot form chasing the top four. Newcastle's top four is not guaranteed, so they're going to be bang up for it. And it's at St. James's Park. Mm. So if that goes to form, then come the end of the season in that big crunch game with West Ham, that game could be irrelevant by then because they could already yeah, be gone. Yeah. Um, and West Ham, you know, as we said, are probably home and dry. So it's going to depend on the situation Premier League-wise with them if, if something weird happens, but also they might have one eye on, on Europe if they, you know, if they get through the semi-final. It, it seems crazy to think that six or seven years ago they've won the league. Two years ago they win the FA Cup final, win the, then win the Community Shield. And now here we are talking about relegation. All these quality players that Leicester have got are going to be out the door and Leicester are in for a humongous reset um, both from a club-wise and hierarchy point of view because of the financial situation yeah, they find themselves yeah. in. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if you're a bit more across this than, than we are, Pete, from a financial point of view, but if they get relegated down to the championship, what do you think that's going to mean for Leicester as a club from a financial point of view? Uh, well, I mean, it depends really on the financials, like wages and all of that really. They'll they'll most likely get picked apart for the the high earning players. I mean James Madison, players like that. Um, they will get influx of cash from your parachute payments. Parachute payments, thank you. Um, but even so, I mean I think they record like hundred million pounds worth of debt. So you only get about eighty million or so in terms of parachute payments, they're still going to be in the red. They're going to have to sell their assets. We know that Madison will be off for around £35 And even so, that's only just breaking even. That's a fraction of the the cost that he really should be commanding, isn't it, for James Madison? Um, Yuri Tiedemann's obviously will go at the end of the season because he's out of contract. Harvey Barnes, based on his performances this season, he'll be another one that will be highly sought after. You know, will will people come in for the likes of Patson Dacca, Ian Nacho? Um, Wilfred and Didi, you know these are all good players. Castagna, mm. these are all good players. It's, I mean, it doesn't nec- the championship doesn't necessarily have a rule book to say you need to spend a lot of money to be up there with a chance. I mean, you look at Luton and what they've been doing, yeah. but that's taken a lot of years. Um, but we do notoriously see a lot of these Premier League clubs. They go out, they splash a load of cash because they've lost their Premier League stars in a way from their team. And it either pays off or the likes of Norwich and Watford where it just hasn't really paid off and they could find themselves in even 
more trouble. Yeah, yeah, that's the risk, isn't it? Is that you, it sort of it, it cascades beyond just that relegation that the, the turmoil There's within huge the risk, team and yeah. the club, and it, it, it cascades down, and what you end up with is a team that sort of falls through the leagues, mm. falls through the trap door, not once but twice. Um, and it's a very long road back from there. We all, you know, it's well documented, and everyone knows how difficult it is to get mm. out of the championship and get out of the, the lower leagues. Um, so yeah, this it could be disastrous for Leicester this season. Um, Depends how many of those players they do manage to keep hold of, really. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's got, I suppose it's probably going to depend on contract wise because up until this season, Leicester were in no danger of getting relegated. Yeah. So how many of their players are likely to have relegation clauses in their contracts? I think would be someone that stays. I mean, Madison <clears throat> is obviously heavily linked with Newcastle. He'd have to take a huge pay cut though, Vardy. I feel like he probably would. Yeah, I think he would. I mean, he's 34. I can't see him going to another Premier League no, team. No, yeah, of course. Although Brentford were rumoured yeah, to Brent, be interested, Brentford weren't they? Him. As a backup striker. But does, at his age, does he want to be a backup striker? Does he not just want to stick with Leicester and be there? He's a backup there? striker this season. <laughs> well, true. No. But he could be in the Championship. Vardy could be invaluable. Yeah. To, to Remember last time you slated Vardy. Look what he done. They're going to go and beat Liverpool now. <laughs> oh, well, sorry. I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> kiss his ass if you <laughs> Um, so yeah big big um, games coming up I mean uh, that's Monday Night Football so actually that Leicester Liverpool game will be while we're recording next week um, so we'll sort of half, have half an eye on it but yeah that could really I'll be facing this one. yeah it'll just be me, me and Pete on next week's show <laughs> Dan will be here in spirit only um, and then elsewhere we talk about these crazy crazy results and crazy games we've got a probably one of the most surprising results we've had in recent times Brighton 1 Everton 5 who was it they, they got smashed by another team a couple of weeks ago didn't they who Brighton uh, did they I see they got beat but I don't think they got smashed oh, I thought they, they got smashed oh no maybe they went and was it then they went and smashed they got beat 3-1 by Forest yeah, it's a little bit of a smashing yeah I suppose then... by Forest's standards yeah mm. but then they recovered and beat Wolves 6-0 so who are uh, who are they playing next Arsenal <laughs> <laughs> And then Newcastle. And then Southampton. And City. They've got very tough games. And they then, could start and then, to drop. And then Villa. They've got a very tough run in. They could start to drop off. Um, still, obviously still an incredible season for Brian, mm. depending on where they finish. But, but you'd be gutted for them if they didn't get that European football there. I think so. And I think, obviously, they've still got those games in hand. Um, I think they'll raise their levels again. I think this was a blip. I don't see this being anything other than a freak result, frankly. Yeah. Um, they've been so good this year. This doesn't compute as to being something fundamentally wrong with their team. I think this is just one of those ones you write off mm. unless it happens again, um, of course. But from an Everton point of view, I mean, this is a fucking huge result. It can't be understated just how big a result this was. Um, you know, you've had two goals from Dwight McNeil, two goals from Abdelai Decore, all well taken. They scored within 34 seconds, I think it was. Caught them very much cold. Um and and what it does to to Everton's league position, obviously it puts them um, just above the uh, the bottom three. Uh, but it obviously, given the result tonight, that is massively important to to, mm-hmm. to have won that game in a, in a game that they weren't expected to win. Let's be honest, this was probably a game that they were looking at, thinking, well, you know, if we can if we can sneak a draw, all the best. But then they've got games against uh, Man City next, Wolves and Bournemouth. So right off the Man City game, but Wolves and Bournemouth, two very winnable games for them. Um. And uh, yeah, I mean, Sean Dyche working his miracles. Um, this is a confidence boosting win more than mm. anything, isn't it? Yeah. Um, in terms of Everton, they're, they're still not strikers aren't scoring goals. This is probably, they've probably doubled their uh, goal tally for the fucking season with this game. Um, 
but Dwight McNeil, you know, when he's in that sort of mood, I mean, that, the, the goal he took, that second goal was an absolutely class goal. And he does still remind me. Do you remember um, Dembele, that used to play for Spurs? Mm-hmm. The way he just sort of glides around the pitch, he does remind me of him a little bit. Obviously, not, not anywhere near on the same level as yeah. Dembele was. Um, but yeah, he, he with that left foot, if he can keep finding those those passes, those those sorts of strikes, maybe he's the guy that can step up. Obviously, Calvert Lewin being back in the side gives him a focal point. I don't think he's going to score many goals, but mm. gives him a focal point, mm-hmm. which they haven't had. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I can't call it. I still don't. They're not safe. This isn't a result that's going to guarantee it. It's um, a massive boost, though. That's the main thing. Yeah, I mean, they go to Wolves, who outside of the smashing they got from Brighton the other week have won four in their last six. And I mean, those the t- to be fair, those are the teams you want to be playing. Those like Wolves, Bournemouth, Palace, their seasons are over. Chelsea yeah. on the yeah. beach, <laughs> Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> like they're all safe. Yeah, like psychologically, they're like Pete says, they're all on the beach already. They're the teams that you want to be playing mm. towards the end of the season. Yeah. Um, so yeah, massive result for Everton. Um, are we all sort of fairly certain now? There are three games to go, and and uh, being eight points from safety, I think if my maths is correct for for Southampton, do we think that that is game game well, set if, and match? If Forest get this, then yeah, they'd be eight points away. They've got to win every game, and that's with the likes of Liverpool, Brighton, and Fulham. That's curtains. Mm. So the Champers is coming out on today. <laughs> Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, it'd be hell of a comeback if they uh, somehow stay up. I mean, Pete will probably. They've go, been Pete ride- will go into hiding if it's they have been the riding their luck for too many years down there. They are getting relegated, and the Champers is coming out. <laughs> They'd only be six points, wouldn't it? No, because if uh, Forest get this result, that goes yeah, but Leeds thirty three. Leeds are on thirty points. Yeah, but they'll be in. They'll oh, be yeah, second so bottom, then Leicester come down, that. and yeah, then Everton yeah. will be the the one at fourth bottom. So yeah. Safety is then thirty two. So yeah. Um, Massive, uh, massive result this for Nottingham Forest. I think uh, Southampton are gone after this one. I think we're all agreed. So then it becomes one of, oh sorry, two of Everton, Leicester, Leeds, and, and Forest. So come on then. It's like the old this week's pre- this week's prediction then. Who who are joining Southampton in the championship next I mean, year? Without knowing the fixtures, I think well Southampton obviously. I think Leeds they just look absolutely wank. <laughs> Leeds and do you know what I mean? They me. they. They looked more organised. I would say they looked more organised against City. And I don't think it's fair I, to I think judge. City could have won that game about 5-0. No, I know. But then they could, They look like they could do that against most teams. Well, All I mean is that... I mean, I suppose we could talk actually about the fact that they brought Sam Allardyce in for fucking four games. Mm. Um, I, I don't really know if that's a good or a bad decision. It's just panic, frankly. isn't it? It's, it's a panic. pure panic. I mean, yeah. apparently he's got a two and a half million pound bonus in him if he keeps <laughs> him up or something. Getting paid 500... Uh, 500k yeah, a week. 500k a week. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, it's lovely work if you can get it, as, as the mm. saying goes. Um, followed up by Big Sam, then also saying, uh, did you see his interview where he said that, you know, better than, better than Klopp and yeah, Guardiola? I think that was no more one, of a, men- level. a mental thing because of the fixtures they have, though, like with Guardiola and City yeah. coming up next. The thing is, Sam, well, Big, Big, Big yeah. Sam is known to be a fucking wind-up merchant, yeah. so I wouldn't take that too seriously. Um, fixtures worse for Leeds, they got Newcastle, West Ham and Spurs. Very winnable games. Well, apart from the Newcastle one. Yeah. Um, I don't expect them to get anything out of Newcastle, but they are at home. I guess it gives them a little bit of an advantage if the crowd is rocking. Um, I've seen some very dejected Leeds fans on my Facebook timeline who think that they're practically gone now. Um, away at West Ham, 
it's going to kind of depend on what West Ham get out of Brentford. I mean, I think in the next you'll game. go towards Europe now. Yeah, our next game is against Brentford. Um, and if we get a point, for example, if we just don't lose, get a point or whatever, I think that, that will you confirm safety. You need one safety. point from your last three games. Yeah, you, exactly. So. so I think if we can get that, then we're obviously safe. Mm-hmm. We don't care then by that point. Um, so I think that's Leeds could get something, but I just feel like the West Ham have just got too much quality for them. Mm-hmm. Um, as stupid as that sounds, given that we're the position we're in, you know, it's just, that's obviously not a guarantee of nothing. Um, and then Spurs last game of the season, Spurs would still be fighting for something, but Spurs have got a shit game in them, as we know, so definitely winnable that for Leeds. Um, so yeah, it does seem like a weird one. So I don't think we can judge Leeds and any improvement that they may or may make, whether whether they get a new manager bounce or not, mm. I don't think you can judge that when they play man, someone like Man City. I think that's just not, frankly, not fair. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's it's all right to say, oh, they improved against City. I don't, I don't necessarily think they did. I think the, the way the game went just maybe looked like that. I, I don't think they looked any better. No, yeah, that's fair enough. But like, obviously the proof will be in the pudding because you know Newcastle, as good as they are, they're not Man City. Mm. So Leeds have got to, they've got they've got to show up. They've got to go into every one of these games and try and get something. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately, Sam Allardyce and his pragmatic approach to football, shall we say, I'm not sure he's going to serve them well in these games. Because I mean, if they had something like, let's put it this way, right? So, if, when Sam Allardyce comes into your team, for me, he needs something to, to defend. Mm. He needs to already be in a position of power over those teams below him that he can just nick a, a win or, or nick a point here and yeah. there. But he's already in that position of power. Leeds can't a point isn't good enough for Leeds they need wins mm. um, for, I think they do anyway so I think I'm not sure this is going to work out because I just don't know if Sam Allardyce is going to be dynamic enough to um, play the type of football required to get points out of those well, games well they need to attack don't they really I mean two, it helps that two of their last three games are home games if they can get the early goal and get the crowd on their side and lift the crowd then potentially they can go on and win it with that 12th man yeah and look you know nobody gave nobody gave Everton a sniff tonight against Brighton and look what happened so you know this is football things strange things happen um, so we'll have to wait and see uh, and then very just very briefly I think it's worth mentioning strange things happen so- <laughs> <laughs> nice, lovely little segue that into uh, Frank Lampard uh, winning the lottery and finally getting a win at the weekend. Very nice of Bournemouth to let him have a first win. <laughs> um, just very quickly, I, I mean, so you know, there's nothing really much riding on this game. Neither team are playing for anything. Um, you know, was there anything really to pick out from this game from a Chelsea point of view that sort of makes you think they've done anything different, or do you think this was just for once a little bit of quality shining through? Um. <sighs> Because Bournemouth I mean, have been were, in good nick. Yeah, and they were late goals. I mean... Yeah, I'd, I'd, 82 and 86. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I didn't... Obviously, I didn't watch the game. I only saw what was on match of the day, but... I mean, Chelsea have got Forest next. You know, if they can pick up a win against Forest, then that gets a bit of momentum going. I think it is important for... All, all jokes aside... I think it is really important for Chelsea to finish the season as strong as possible. Annoying that they're coming up to play us soon. <laughs> if Chelsea can sort of finish out the season and win, you know, 75% of their game towards the end of the season, I, I think that that's massive for them heading into next season. They do need to sort this managerial situation out ASAP, the longer this drags on. Yeah, and the players. Um, yeah, and the players, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they've got a big summer coming. Oh, God. I mean, if we, we were talking about the YouTube content that we're going to do in the summer, holy shit. I mean, the Premier League, in terms of the number of clubs that, can, that need big summers for different reasons, yeah. uh, that, you know, 
there's going to be a lot of YouTube content we can make, put it that way. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to mention it because I thought, it was, you know, we, we, we've dogged on Chelsea a lot this year. Yeah. And rightly so, because they have been dog shit. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, credit where credit's due. They they took their chances. They were good finishes. And, um, yeah, hopefully now we are... Uh, um, from a Chelsea fan's point of view, I guess, hopefully they will start to see some improvements now. But um, I just worry that Todd Bowley at the top... I, I don't know if he strikes as the sort of character who's going to learn from this and whether he's just going to double down and keep doing the same mm. shit. So, um, yeah, I don't wish uh, I don't wish much on um, oh, not the Forest. I just added a fifth. Um, I don't I don't wish uh, I you know I don't wish ill will on anybody going into Chelsea, despite the fact they're my rivals. But I do I do wish them well, genuinely, because I feel like they're walking into the <laughs> into the fucking lions den. Oh, they shit, aren't they? <laughs> You love it. Right, uh, less time to uh, round out the show then, and we'll start with Dan's stat. Dan the stat, man. Um, so Aaron Ramsdale is only third goalkeeper in Premier League history to record 10 away clean sheets uh, in a single season. Other than who? Who are the other two? Say that again. So... Aaron Ramsdale is only the third different goalkeeper to record 10 away clean sheets in a single Premier League season. I mean, the obvious one that I was talking about earlier was Petr Cech. Yep. Um, Edison? Yeah, pretty easy. Oh, there we go. Job done. (laughs) Right, move on. (laughs) (laughs) Right, okay, there you go. Um, Let's move on and get into the quiz. Okie Right, we are currently stood at four all, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> can we have a reminder of the buzzers? Of course you can. Here's mine. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. And here's mine. Oh, forgot turn to it, Turn it up a bit. <laughs> Try again. If I speak, I am in, in big trouble. Okie dokie. So, this week's theme, it was a little bit rushed, I must say, but it is um, big transfers that never happened. Mm. Big transfers that never happened? That never happened. As in, they were rumoured to move, but never... Heavily rumoured to um, go there, but it never happened. Okay. Pedro and Wingy. No. <laughs> <laughs> That would have been too easy. But you know what? I would have yielded and given you the win of the entire quiz if you'd have got that right. I'm not saying he's not in there. But he's not the first player. Uh, right. Um, okay. Is he still playing now? He is not. Uh, I said, was he a Premier League player? Yes, he was. Did he retire within the last five years? No. Ooh. An oldie. Um... Did he play for a top six team? Yes. Did he play for a Premier League club for his entire career? Yes, bar one season. Right. Okay. Was that a Premier League club or top six club? A Premier League club, I said. Um, Was he an attacker? No. (laughs) Continuing the fine tradition (laughs) of uh, not getting that one right. Um... 
Was he in, was he English? Yes. <clears throat> uh, was he a goalkeeper? Nope. Defender. Nope. Lovely. There it is. <laughs> um. Did he retire in the last ten years? Yes. Um. When he was English, he played one season abroad. Did he play for? Did he play for England? Yes. National side. Oh. Uh, What's the the thing? Players that tried to get a move but didn't. Big big transfers that never happened. I'm going to guess it, but I don't know where he would have gone if he didn't play in England the entire career, but Stephen Gerrard? It is Stephen Gerrard, yes. So his uh, other team was LA Galaxy. Oh, of course. Where did he try to move them? Well, that Chelsea, was... wasn't it? They were rumoured to be ah. trying to buy him for ages. Well, United wanted him as well yeah. from, at one point. But the big rumour, the big transfer was Mourinho trying to grab, nab him mm-hmm. for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. So, I'd never have got that. Right. Okie dokie. Next player. Go on, Dan. Um Was he a Premier League player? No. Okay. Is he still playing? Yeah. <clears throat> oh, Southampton have a penalty just to make it interesting. Yeah, their goal disallowed as well, Forrest. Yeah, so it's 4 2, and Southampton have a penalty with the card- time left to play if they the get this. come through. The cards are so close. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, is, is he European? Yes. Is he playing for a big European team right now? Yes. Is he playing in La Liga? Yes. Is he a striker? Yes. God, you're smashing it. Come on. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. Karen Benzema? Nope. Okay. Striker La Liga, I mean, can't be too many. Just give people an update, it's now 4 3. Mm. James Ward Prowse, the Pompey boy, has scored. <laughs> Southampton. <laughs> so he's playing in La Liga. Playing La Liga. Striker. Still playing right big now. Big club. Still playing it. Is he. Did we do his time? Is his nationality? No. Well, you European. said he's European. European. Okay. Um, does he play uh, for his national team? Yes. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. Robert Lewandowski. Yes. Hmm. Do you know his big transfer that never happened? Was it? I think <laughs> I'm right in this. Was it Blackburn? It was. Yeah. Uh, yeah when the Venkies took ago, over because yeah. they wanted like Ronald Dino and yeah. um, even though there was a rumour going round that they actually had to ask people at the club how to do a transfer. <laughs> I did not have a fucking clue. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the um, Zidane as well tried going there. Yeah, they all well, at it. They wanted him. They there. wanted him, yeah. I think they got a little bit too big for their boots. Okay, last player. Would you like an oldie? Or. or like I'll a... let Dan choose since I've already won tonight's yeah. quiz. <laughs> um, well, what counts as an oldie? Um, well, I mean, you can either date back to like the 70s or. The <laughs> if I wasn't the born, then no. Okay. 
That's a fair one. Okie dokie, all right, yeah, uh, next player then. Uh, did he or, yeah, did he play in the Premier League? Yes. Is he still playing in the Premier League? No. <clears throat> um, I thought you were going to guess then. Yeah, because yeah. I've got, well, I mean, obviously it doesn't matter. I don't know who he's gone for, but um, was he a striker? Yes. If I speak, I'm in, in big trouble. Is it Wayne Rooney? No. Damn it. <laughs> sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Straight in with it. Is it Yakubu? No. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to throw some names in there. Um, have we established that they're still playing or not? They're not. They're not playing. Um, yes. They playing. are playing. Oh. oh did no, they? he asked if they're still playing in the Premier League. Oh, uh. that's what he said. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Um... Now, striker, are they English? No. Are they playing in a top league still? No. <laughs> um, when they were in England, did they play for a top four club? Yes. I mean, it can't be, can it? Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. It's not Cristiano Ronaldo, is it? 3-0 Chris. Who wasn't a striker? Well, was he not in the Premier League. Uh, yeah, Second time at United. Who yeah. was uh, his big move not to then? Arsenal. When was that? Early on in his career, Wenger he was one of the 4,000 players that Wenger said he tried to sign when he was a kid. Piers Morgan made that very clear as well, didn't he? Yeah. Because Piers Morgan's a fucking well. <laughs> uh, right. Goes into the lead at five four. There we go, yeah. five four to me. Um, okay, yes, that is uh, the end of the show. Thank you very much for listening. We are, as I said, coming I don't have towards. To worry about doing forfeits if Chris wins. <laughs> Can I just combine them into one really fucking bad forfeit? <laughs> <laughs> do what you want it's your forfeit <laughs> um, yes so yeah we're coming to the end of uh, of this uh, season's episode we've got maybe four or five left to go uh, thank you everybody who supported us thus far make sure you support us continually by sharing us around commenting on things you see on social media leaving reviews if you're able to depending on the platform that you listen to um, and follow us on YouTube as well LMA goes out tomorrow it does go out tomorrow last week I was two days late because I had a mental week at work um, but it is virtually done for this week so it will go out tomorrow at normal time um, so yeah thank you very much everyone for listening and we'll see you all next week bye bye, bye.